Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 8th, 2016. My name is Phil prosper I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And we have a Thursday show for you today. I don't know why that would be any different than any other show, but it is Thursday. That is a cosmic fact, as Bill Nye likes to say. Uh, and we do have a show for you to show for you coming up. We'll do a complete recap of Orlando's loss to the Boston Celtics. Uh, they returned home. That didn't seem to be a good thing as the Magic got uh, beat pretty handily uh, at the hands of the Boston Celtics on Wednesday. Do a complete recap of that game. Discuss, I guess, one of the things we're going to blame for the loss, and that is the fatigue factor as the schedule for the Magic has not been kind and will continue not to be kind for at least two more days. And then I'm actually going to bump up the mini mailbag a day early. I have a big episode planned tomorrow discussing Nikola Vucevic a little bit. Uh, didn't think that fit quite well with, with his game on Wednesday, so we'll save that for the Friday episode of the Locked On Magic podcast. Uh, so we'll do. I'll do a quick mini mailbag as I'm getting set to uh, do the Orlando Magic Daily mailbag uh, early next week. Again, you can always submit questions to the mailbag to Locked On Magic at Locked On Magic as well as uh, by email to me, omagicdaily at gmail.com. And of course, this is a good time to remind you that you can always subscribe and follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, everywhere that you could, probably said iTunes twice there, anywhere that you can find podcasts, you can probably find the Locked On Magic podcast. Uh, so please subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all those great places that you can download podcasts. Uh, and of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like it on Facebook at Locked On Magic. I guess it's time to rip off the Band-Aid. The Orlando Magic returned home uh, to the Amway Center after a very successful road trip, a uh, four-in-one road trip, and things were feeling pretty good, and the Magic were feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, And even through the first half of Wednesday's game, they are feeling pretty good about themselves. And then the wheels came completely off. Boston upped their defensive pressure, they really pushed the Magic, pushed them around, really. And Orlando didn't have a response. And, and for the first time in nearly a month, the Magic just got thoroughly beat. And they looked like the team that was listless and frustrating and difficult uh, from early and mid-November. Uh, a team that didn't have any life to it. And uh, it was uh, just a frustrating evening for that reason. For the first time... Uh, the Magic gave up their largest offensive rate, gave up their largest defensive rating since that blowout loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves at home. It was the first time they've given up back-to-back 100-point games, just a raw total 100 points. First time they've given up consecutive 100-point games since the Chicago Bulls loss, which was a 30-point blowout, and the Minnesota Timberwolves loss, also a 30-point blowout. So the Magic got beat pretty handily, as bad as they've been beaten all year long. And that second half, was the difference. Boston shoots 59.5% 
5 for 11 from the on the arc, 13 for 16 from the foul line, gets 7 offensive rebounds, forced 5 turnovers, wasn't as big of a factor, but just really pushed and pressured the Magic into mistakes throughout the game. Orlando just never could get back into an offensive rhythm after shooting 50% in the first half, and generally looking okay slash pretty good uh, on that end. The defense was always a little bit off, and, and I think that's, there's a reason for that, uh, whether the Magic one will admit it or not is another issue. But Orlando shoots only 26.7% in the second half, 3 for 16 from beyond the arc, 6 for 19 in the paint. That's just not going to get the job done for the Magic. They're going to uh, struggle if they're going to shoot like that as as they did early on in the season. Overall, Orlando shoots 37% from the floor. After doing a decent job defensively, 51.2% shooting for the Celtics on the game. Again, Boston just raced ahead in that second half. Won the second half by 31 points. They scored 36 points in the third quarter alone. The Magic only had 37 for the entire second half. 23 in the third, 14 in the fourth. Orlando just could not get into a rhythm again, could not find the flow, could not find the ball movement that they needed to succeed, and Boston just bullied them up and down the court, forced them into bad shots, forced them off their spots, and dominated the game. Uh, And again, I'll discuss in a little bit why that might have been and why the Magic just really struggled in this game, and you know whether they want to admit it, probably uh, fatigue did have a factor. Let's run through the final stats for you real fast. DJ Augustin led the way with 15 points, 4 for 7, shooting 4 for 6 from beyond the arc. Uh, was a huge factor in the first half. Orlando, were, the, the difference between the first half and the second half for Orlando was really that Orlando made shots in the first half. Second half, they weren't making shots. They weren't near, getting nearly the same quality of looks, but they simply weren't making shots. And Orlando's ability to make shots in that first half, especially... I hid the fact that the defense was a little bit off. Um, Boston was able to get good looks. They were able to move the ball around. They were able to get to the basket in a way that teams haven't been able to for the past two, three weeks against this Magic team. And they worked worked them. They were missing a lot of three-pointers, which helped the Magic out tremendously. But Orlando was missing a ton of shots. They, they just kept missing shots. Uh, they were turning the ball over a lot, too. Uh, but... When Orlando, start, when Orlando was making shots in the first half, things were good, and D.J. Augustin was a big part of that. But eventually, his value decreased because Marcus Smart just took him to the paint and out-muscled him uh, at every turn. And so the Magic were—Augustin uh, was good, not great, um, produced, but ultimately turned into a non-factor. Evan Fournier, 14 points, 4 for 14 shooting, really struggled with his shot. Like I said, Boston was really physical, keeping the Magic— away from doing the things that they wanted to do, and that includes Evan Fournier. Alfred Payton, 10 points, 4 assists, 5 for 8 shooting off the bench. Some of the same issues as well, just struggled defensively. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, 12 points, 5 for 14 shooting, 10 rebounds. He did a good job with the rebounding, as he always has done. Missed a lot of his shots, which he hasn't done. And then, of course, uh, as, as everyone probably saw on their ESPN alerts, got a little bit of a poster Got a little bit of a poster made on him uh, from rookie Jalen Brown. Uh, so when it comes down to it, the Magic did some good things, uh, but generally overshadowed by the bad things and overshadowed by uh, an effort that just just wasn't all the way there, wasn't quite who this Magic team is. We just didn't play the right way. We didn't play our game. And plus, our defense was terrible. Being mm-hmm. honest, so... Uh, and, you know, we can sit here and talk about this and that, but we didn't play the way we have been playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we start holding on to the ball a little longer. And, um, I don't think being selfish would be the right way to say it, but uh, we didn't trust the next guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you play like that, eventually, you know, you're really going to lose. If you watch them play, they had like four passes mm-hmm. without dribbling, and we were dribbling like at least 10 times before we passed the ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know. It's tough to win that way, and, and obviously our defense wasn't there. Uh, we didn't establish ourselves. Um, you know, we started the game good, and then once the substitution happened, everything kind of goes out from there. So, you know, things that we, we can't control, well, we got to figure out how to to be uh, a good team at home, mm-hmm. which is we haven't been. And once we establish ourselves at home, uh, we'll be fine. And, of course, uh, the Magic coming home fresh from the road trip. Uh, plenty to work on. Uh, I, would, I would say that that, that Bismack Biombo sentiment there is very similar to what the rest of the Magic felt, that you know they're more disappointed in the way this game went. Uh, they know that that isn't who they are. That isn't what they built on this road trip. And they're disappointed that they couldn't play well in front of the fans because the Magic have struggled a lot at home. They'll get plenty of that to come in December. But, of course, what's... Sort of unmentioned and maybe bubbling a little bit under the surface is that this is perhaps the most difficult stretch of games the Orlando Magic will have all season, or at least the not not necessarily the opponents, but the fatigue factor and the the rash of games that the Magic are facing. This is probably the most congested the Magic will see of difficult games, just kind of tiring games that they'll see. Now no one on the Magic is prepared to blame fatigue for their loss and for losing by 30 points in, in a basketball game. That's that's not who these guys are. As Frank Vogel said in his press conference, this is a no-excuse team. But there's also a second reality that has to be remembered. These guys are human. Yes, they're somewhat superhuman with with uh, you know their, their athleticism and their, their ability to play basketball at such a high level, but they are human. And to go on a nine-day, five-game road trip, traveling the miles that they had to travel, uh, playing the games that they have to play, putting in the mental focus and strain that they had to play, it isn't unreasonable to think that, yes, coming home from that trip, having to play a back-to-back when you just got home from a trip, some of that some of that fatigue and tiredness is going to release. It's going to happen at some point, and it'll be something to watch now the rest of the week as the schedule does not lighten up. I mean, the Magic are playing... The Magic essentially come home from their road trip to play their only four games in five nights of the season. They have Thursday off after this game, so a chance to kind of reset the battery. Another night in their own bed, which is, which is kind of nice. And then they travel back out to Charlotte, play the Hornets on Friday, and then they'll come home and play the Denver Nuggets on Saturday. Again, no one is willing to blame fatigue, but at the same time, it's hard not to notice a team that isn't playing with the same attention to detail, with the same identity that that they appear to have built. It's hard not to notice some of that slipping and finding it maybe perhaps a little bit easy to blame fatigue. Uh, You know, a couple of quick examples, just the Magic's rotations defensively. We're not sharp. They bit on a lot of pump fakes. Uh, Al Horford had one play where he got Bismack Biombo up in the air, drove right past him, 
for an open dunk. No one was stopping him. I mean, Horford had a career-high eight assists in this game. There were plenty of instances just like that where the Magic got beat off the dribble and the rotations were late. Uh, Again, they looked like that disconnected team that we saw earlier in the year. Evan Fournier said a situation like this, he's never experienced in his short NBA career where you come home from a long road trip for a back-to-back at home. It's usually you get that extra day when you come home from a long road trip. The Magic didn't get that extra day here, and no one's going to begrudge the schedule. Everyone's got to play the schedule, and no one is prepared to use it as an excuse. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think he had any uh, part in that. I mean, that's our job. It's what we do. Uh, you know, we're not the only team in the NBA that has back-to-backs after road trips and whatnot. Um, it's part of the job we do, and we have to, you know, adjust to, to that. And uh, we can't use that as an excuse. So that's not like we went to the West Coast and then came back you know, here. We don't we're East Coast. You no, know, it was true on our work trip, but still, uh, doesn't shouldn't be an excuse for us. The magic, of course, uh, saying the right things there, but it's hard not to not to see some of that fatigue happening. It's hard not to see how slow the magic reacted to a lot of things, and, and how kind of mentally drained. I mean, the magic to play defense at the level the magic are playing, it does take a lot of mental focus and precision that the magic just didn't have. And what's perhaps a little more concerning is that they didn't have it on Wednesday, just like they didn't have it on Tuesday. So the tail end of the road trip did seem to take an effect. Of course, a good team, a playoff team like the Magic want to be, they find a way to fight through that. They find a way to fight through the physical limitations that you might have or to fight through the physical exhaustion and uh, and fatigue that you play. And so, again, no NBA team in their right mind will say will use this as an excuse, but certainly it played a factor in the game. Boston was able to outmuscle Orlando, and Orlando, you know, it wasn't that they didn't play hard. They played extremely hard. They got good shots. They shot 13 for 34 in the paint. Their jumpers were falling short. They were struggling to get around screens. Boston picked up on something and matched the physicality, and the Magic just couldn't find the reserves to do so. And so... There was a sense, another 30-point loss, and the Magic have had plenty of those this year. There was a sense of panic that I felt, you know, and then I generally see this after losses, that yes, people do tend to overreact to losses more than they get excited about big wins sometimes. There was a sense that this was a game that could push for some change, and um, it's not quite that. It's, 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 a bad, it's a bad loss, it's a frustrating loss, but it's also a potential schedule loss, and there are always a few of those every game or every season, and it appears that the Magic had one on Wednesday. The question is, how do they move past it, and how do they get better for Friday's game in Charlotte? Can Orlando do so? Can they push through the fatigue that they're probably still going to be feeling to some extent and pick up a big win? And of course, as always, momentum is the next day's pitcher, and the Magic will have to uh, reckon with that as they prepare for this game. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. 
All right, to close today's show, I'm going to do a quick mini mailback, answer a couple questions that I've got banked up uh, on the Locked On Magic Twitter feed. Again, you can always send questions to me on Twitter. Uh, best the place to get the most immediate reaction is at Daily. That's the best place to follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Locked On Magic and ask questions there, and I'll respond to there from the podcast podcast feed. Uh, of course, from there. Uh, we'll do our. We I try to do a weekly mini mailbag, so do not be afraid to ask questions anytime. I'll answer them on the podcast. Uh, typically every Friday. I like I said, I'm gonna do this one on Thursday. And of course, uh, submissions for the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag to have me answer them in print, maybe a little bit longer winded. Um, the best place to do that is on Twitter at omagicdaily, or you can email me anytime with your questions at omagicdaily at gmail.com. Let's dig into the mailbag. Our first question comes from Kent at KCross1317. He asks, is the concern for Mario legitimate? The kid is so young. This is a really big question. I think it's one that a lot of Magic fans uh, have asked and certainly have um, put uh, in... They're, they're the forefront of their mind. I mean, everyone wants to see Mario Azonia play, the fifth overall pick from last year's draft. The player that does have a ton of talent uh, can be a good shooter uh, and just needs opportunity, to be frank. The issue with Mario Azonia, though, is twofold. One, if you aren't a good defender, you better make shots. And Mario Azonia, everyone knew he'd be a project. It would take a little bit of time for him to really develop. Uh, And he was going to need a lot of work defensively. And he said that last year. And and I do think he got better defensively as the year went on last year. But if you're not going to be an ace defender, you need to make shots. And the one thing that Mario Azonia was billed to be when he came into the league was a good shooter. So the fact that Mario Azonia has struggled with his shot says a lot. I really do think it says a lot. And so, the fact that he struggled with his shot has killed his playing time. And the next question I think most people would ask is, well, if he's not playing, how do the Magic know if his shot's any good? Well, the thing you always got to remember is games aren't the only time we see these guys play. In fact, Mario Azonia probably gets more playing time in practice than he ever would in any game. And so he's constantly auditioning for a spot in the rotation. And the fact of the matter is he hasn't earned it yet. So is the concern for Mario legitimate? I think it is. I think there seems to be a very real chance that he just doesn't fit what the Magic are trying to do. And part of that is the pressure the Orlando Magic had both this year and last year to win basketball games. They are not going to wait around for a kid like Mario Azonia to develop into a consistent player. So, with that being the case, he doesn't have the opportunity to make mistakes, to learn on the job and to say, okay, I did this. Now I have the chance in that situation again to correct it. Scott Skiles didn't give it to him. He made a mistake, he got yanked. Frank Vogel doesn't have the time for it either. So Hazoni's got to earn his way back into the rotation. And 
to be frank, a player like him, Orlando just may not be the right situation for him. I think he's still extremely talented. I do think he is an NBA player, but like with so many young players, and I, I truly believe this, and it's one of the reasons why the draft is probably one of the cruelest things in the world, certainly in the world of sports, for any sport really, the situation you get drafted to matters a ton. Hazonia got drafted to a situation that did not allow him to develop. It, it demanded that he produce immediately. And Hazonia was not ready to do that. And that's why that's why I think there is legitimate concern as far as, as his future with the Magic. It, frankly, would not completely surprise me if he gets mentioned a lot in trade rumors. And that probably takes us to our next question, one of the more ask questions that I get. And that is this one, and, and I'll just use him as, as an example. At the underscore fan nine, Andy Jordan asks, um, Orlando Sender article, which I discussed earlier this week, stating Magic looking to add offense, duh, but who's realistic? Do we go all in on a guy like Gay or a bench player? Since that article came out, there's already been already been a ton of speculation, a ton of rumors. Um, you know, as expected, people like to connect dots and try and make things out, make things happen, and you know, the aggregators pick it up and, and all that stuff. But there, but there have been a few talks. I've I think we've mentioned on this podcast a few times players that that I think would be interesting to pursue or to, to look into. But and Rudy Gay has has been one of them. And I had a long conversation with with a follower on O Magic Daily about Rudy Gay and why. I'm not quite sold on him, or I'm not, you know, I think he's, you know, I think some readers are pushing for more immediate action where I'm saying, let's let's wait a little bit. And the reality is, before we even dive deeper into trade discussions, is it's still December 8th. It's still very, very early in the trade market. The, the trade market really hasn't even opened up yet. It really opens up December 15th. Too many teams right now still believe they can win. And so unless you're willing to give up something good to get something good, Teams aren't going to look to make a major reshuffle yet. You're going to see maybe some end-of-the-bench deals uh, and then the desperation deals. And by desperation deals, I mean, let's say, trading uh, Vince Carter, uh, Marcin Gortat, Michael Petras uh, to Phoenix for Jason Richardson, Hito Turkoglu, and Earl Clark. That was a panic trade from the Orlando Magic back in 2010 during the 2011 season. Uh, Deals don't get done in December. So... All the trade talk, of course, is a caution that deals don't get done yet. It's still too early to look at specific targets. It's still too early to say the Magic should go out and get this guy. Here's the offer they should make. Teams aren't ready to do those kind of discussions yet. Speaking about Rudy Gay specifically, and I think the reason why a lot of people like Rudy Gay is he's a guy that's averaging 20-something points per game. He's clear score, someone that can that can create his own offense. Uh, get When your offense is stuck, you turn to him and he'll generally produce a good shot. But let's say that Sacramento still is relatively in the playoff hunt. They're not going to bag their season. They're not going to take, you know, for the Magic, who are also still in the playoff hunt, the Magic are looking to buy. And they're not looking to give up a ton. And they're not going to give up a ton for a guy like Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay is, a, like, I, like I've said to a lot of people, Rudy Gay is a band-aid. He's a guy that does help your scoring a little bit now, but not someone that you want necessarily for your team long term. He's a bad, so he's a he's a quick temporary fix. So the Magic are going to want to give up a ton of future assets for him. 
They're not going to give up Serge Ibaka. They're not going to give up Evan Fournier. They're not going to probably even give up Nikola Vucevic for a guy like him, unless they have to. The Probably the most tradable asset on the team is going to end up being Jeff Green. Uh, expiring $15 million contract. If a team wants cap room, you know, still valuable if a team wants a veteran who can kind of fill gaps like he's been doing for the Magic this year, uh, quasi-successfully at least. Jeff Green's a guy to consider and to look up. So, the Magic's trade strategy, as I think I've said in, in previous podcasts as well, they're trying to make the playoffs still. That that goal is not going to change until it's really far out of reach. But what Rob Hannigan has consistently done is still keep an eye on the future. I turn back to that trade from February. Yes, it was a bad deal, and Rob Hannigan gave up Tobias Harris for virtually nothing, for actually nothing. Sorry, Brandon Jennings and Arsenal, he's over. But at the same time, he could have done other things with that. If he was so determined to trade Tobias Harris for any deal to, to try and improve the roster, he could have taken on a bad contract. He could have taken on a multi-year contract. Instead, he got two expiring deals. So if that deal backfired, in the short term, which it did. Uh, Brandon Jennings and Aristotle Yusova did not help the team get over the hump, and the Magic were trying to maybe save a dream that was gone. If it did backfire, they had an easy out, and that was the cap room that that deal created. And it was very clear to me at that time that that deal was for cap space and had a future implication in it. And so... What I worry about, again, as uh, that the Magic might do, is that they'll trade someone and risk that financial future. And Rudy Gay isn't that kind of player, but you don't want to put yourself in the hole for the future just to try and get the eighth seed. Rudy Gay's a band-aid, like I said. At the same time, again, pointing back to the Tobias Harris deal, Tobias Harris might have been more valuable at the draft than he was at the trade deadline. And so you still want to be patient and maximize your assets. So that's why I say December's not the time to make deals. December's the time to say, okay, this is what we need to target. And the Magic obviously needs scoring. That's why a guy like Rudy Gay is getting mentioned. I don't think they'll look for bench players. I think they're pretty happy with their depth right now. I think what the Magic want to do, if, if they're really focused on getting over the top is to bring in a starting small forward or a starting 2-3, someone that can split small forward duties with Evan Fournier a little bit uh, and score and and get some points. Um, uh, This week I've heard people throw around Wilson Chandler's name. We'll see him Saturday with the Nuggets. Uh, I've talked about Danilo Gallinari a few times. Um, There are targets out there, but like I said, it's, it's still too early to pin down specific names. It's Right now it's enough to say the Magic needs scoring, they probably need some help at the three uh, and start from there. And and you can create a little bit of a list right now, but it's not a full list and it's not a serious list quite yet because, again, too many teams are still in it. They're not ready to, to deal. They're not thinking about their long-term future. Everyone's kind of thinking short-term. Uh, and the way a deals get made is someone gives up a short-term asset for some long-term gain. And right now, the Magic are looking are, are looking for those short, short-term assets. So we'll see what they do there. Um, last question I'll answer here from at Stop Bunting. Please, Josh at Stop Bunting. Please ask 
How are Biombo Abaka being used defensively together? Abaka at rim with Biombo pestering. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's much of a difference that, that you see from the way Ibaka and Biombo play together, and even Vucevic plays together with the bigs. Frank Vogel's defensive scheme is still relatively simple. It's stay in front of your man, uh, rotate and cover, help. You know, it's it, it's 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 a fairly simple scheme. Uh, they don't hedge a lot. They want they want players to to, to catch and protect the paint. Uh, they collapse the paint really well, and then they get back out to the three point line uh, as well. Uh, to, to challenge there. Um, and so that's the basics of what Frank Vogel is trying to do. So when a player like Biombo and Ibaka are in, their primary responsibility is still their man. When when their man has the ball, they have to stop him first, as it would be for anybody. Now, in def- defending, that's where the responsibilities kind of change. And I don't think Biz and Ibaka really have different responsibilities. If a guard is driving into the paint, Ibaka and Ibaka is guarding a stretch four on the perimeter. Biz is the guy that you know, Biombo or whoever's the center is the guy that holds to his holds to his man, but protects the paint and lurks a little bit. And then Ibaka typically or whoever is next in line, Aaron Gordon even uh, Ibaka or Aaron Gordon, they cover to help the helper if Biombo has to engage, so that they're boxing out the guy closest to the basket. Aaron Gordon's been particularly good at this. Uh, Ibaka's been really good at recovering to help the helper, as has Biombo. So um, I, I don't think there's anything too different with the way that they play when they're in there together. Um, they still just execute their basic defensive set, um, which is, of course, your man is your responsibility, and you're trying to make sure the next level is covered. Um, they are very conservative defensively. They pack the paint like I said, to, to constrict space and keep people on the perimeter. They close out shooters and and rotate really well from there. And so that's kind of the basis of what the Magic are trying to do defensively. It's bare bones, obviously, kind of a skeleton um, skeleton explanation of what the Magic do. So I don't think there's a big difference uh, when Biombo and Ibaka are in there together. They still do a lot of the same things that, that you would expect. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Magic Podcast. I want to thank everyone again for listening. Always feel free to interact with the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Magic as well as on Facebook at Lockdown Magic there. Please give us a like. And if you're so inclined, check us out on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Subscribe to the podcast there. You can also leave us a review. Those do help us climb the rankings. We want to be the top Orlando Magic podcast. When you type in Orlando Magic, we don't want Magic Kingdom stuff to come up. We want people to see... Orlando Magic and Locked On Magic uh, when they type in Orlando Magic. I-, I have done that before. I do know that there is a Disney podcast. I'm not hating on them. I love Disney. I'm team. I'm team UO, obviously. But um, I, I, I want. I want Locked On Magic to be the first thing you see when you type in Orlando Magic. I, I want that to happen. And the way we do that is we get ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, and so, so you know, if if you haven't yet, do it. If not, tell your friends. Five stars is good. One star, don't do that. That that's mean. Don't 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 leave a one star waiting rating for a podcast. That's just that's just not nice. I, I don't know why you would even do that. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode with another episode of Locked On Magic. We'll preview the weekend games, the Charlotte Hornets and the Denver Nuggets next on the docket for the Orlando Magic to finish this four games in five night stretch. Uh, and then I'll talk a little bit about Nikola Vucevic and how he's been playing 
of late. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, I want to thank everyone once again for listening to the podcast. We will see you all tomorrow. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.